Welcome to the GeoMob podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, be it for fun or profit. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the GeoMob podcast. Today, I am joined by Chaz Hutton, who spoke at GeoMob all the way back in 2016, March of 2016, which we were just joking. It's it's only been five calendar years, but it's been like 37 COVID years. So it, it feels like a long, long time ago. It was pre-Brexit, pre-Trump, pre-COVID. So a lot of water under the bridge since then. Chaz, welcome back. Introduce yourself, and then we'll get into what we're going to talk about today. It's good to be here. Uh, and yeah, you're not wrong about the amount of time it's been. It, it does feel a lot longer than five years. Yeah, uh, introducing my name is Chaz Hutton. I draw comics and cartoons and sort of make jokes and write a bit of stuff, I guess. It's probably the best description. Very nice. Very nice. Well, you do a lot of different, your, your work is about a lot of different things, not just maps or I, I guess even not not mostly maps or anything. But the reason you spoke at Geomob way back then, and the reason I wanted to get you back on the show is because you had a, you drew a map that kind of captured the world's attention and, you know, took off on social media. So, I, you know, I want to talk about that and, and what that experience was of, you know, a map going viral and tell us a bit about that. So but maybe we should start by explaining exactly what this work was. So, so describe the map in question for us, if you could, please. So the map was, the map was essentially just a, a representation of a city. So it has this, a river flowing through it and it's sort of divided into little areas. And then the idea was instead of in each area was sort of a description of that area. So I think a few of them were, you know, the area that used to be full of hipsters, you know, but has now got a bit trashy or the area that's you know full of big nice houses and not much else or the area where IKEA is. And the idea was to sort of create a this relatable map of a city where people would look at it and go, oh, I live in that area or I know that area. And so that was sort of the map itself on face value, I think. I think the, the one point that I remember from your talk that was quite funny is, you know, this work, your, your drawing is specifically titled A Map of Every City. And yet everyone contacted you thinking it was their city, right? And, and I know everyone in London you know, looks at this and immediately like, oh, yeah, he's talking about Shoreditch there. Oh, yeah, he's talking about Notting Hill there. He, Oh, that's uh, Hyde Park, you know, even though it's yeah. completely generic. Well, and, and this and this sort of comes back to the, the way it came about, really, is because I just I'd moved to London maybe that year or the year before. And so friends would come over or they'd be thinking of coming over or they'd be talking to me about, you know, where I was living, what I was doing. And a lot of the time I'd end up making connecting areas in London with their equivalent in, say, Melbourne or wherever they were calling me from, So, or, say, New York. So I'd be able to say, well, you know, Shoreditch is the Williamsburg or Fitzroy equivalent. And, you know, you'd always be able to find an equivalent for each little area. And the more I sort of did this exercise with people, depending on where they were from, the more I, was, I realized that, a lot of these cities are very much the same. The areas might be obviously in relation to each other, different places, but at the crux of it, you know, each little area is not that new, unique for a lot of cities. You, you find these same areas, you know, regardless of where you go. And, and so, so then what happened? You posted this map and, and it really took off, huh? Can you? Yeah. So I think back then I was drawing a lot of my comics on post-it notes, which was sort of my whole thing. Uh, and, 
Anyway, so I so I wrote I drew the original thing on a post-it note, and I I sent it to a friend who said oh, it's too wordy. That's not gonna that's not gonna strike a chord with anyone. I sort of went oh, okay. Anyway, I put it out there, and then it just got retweet after retweet, and I think you know because people sort of saw their own cities in it, and it didn't take much to sort of see your own city. Some people are like, oh, if you turn it sideways, it's Portland. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> I've never even been to Portland, you know. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I put it out on Twitter and I think it got sort of around 3,000 or 4,000 retweets, which for me at the time was, you know, a lot and a bit overwhelming. And at which point I start, you know, you start to think think about the sort of finer points of it and sort of what exactly was going on with that map that sort of was resonating. And any any thoughts on that? Why do you think this captured the mood so so explicitly? Um, I think, like obviously, as I was saying before, you know, people. It's just you know that human that human sort of habit of recognizing patterns and stuff, and that dopamine hit when you go, oh, I recognize this and that. You know, it's an exciting sort of thing that your brain does. But also, I think just in terms of the larger idea of that drawing and that map was more a sort of, it, it was less a map of a city and more a map of a, a kind of experience of a city. Mm. So it didn't have to really be a map per se. It could have been a list of, like a list of areas that you live, that, you know, your friends live, and I could have put it in a list form. Yeah. But in a, in a map form, it was just a sort of a better, you know, aesthetic approach to it. So in many ways, it's not so much a, a literal geographic map of a city, but rather a sort of hypothetical map of people's experiences within those cities. More of a conceptual map. I'm, I'm looking at the map right now. Yeah. And for the benefit of our, our listeners, obviously, we'll, we'll post the map on the show notes, so everyone should check it out. But you know, some of the areas are like the area that your friends move to and then you never catch up with them because it's far away and their kids are kind of annoying. And yeah. it's so true. That was like a, such a London thing. I remember when I lived in, I lived in central London and then people would move away. I mean, not that all my friends have annoying kids, but, you know, people would kind of move out of the center and you'd be like, oh, well, we'll still hang out and stuff. And of course, you know. It, it just never happened because it was just too. Yeah, far what's what's that? What's what's that suburb now? Like Walthamstow, or you know, yeah, exactly all of those. Um, yeah, <laughs> all those kind of kind of places. So, does the map does it still resonate? I mean, you know, often on social media, you see the the memes that go around and then they kind of disappear for a while and they come back. What what's what's happened with this map in the five years since? Is it? Does it get rediscovered every now and again? Yeah, sometimes uh, it gets rediscovered. At a certain point, I decided to expand on it and did a, a much quick, like instead of a, just doing a lot of scribbly post-it note, did a much rather bigger, cleaner version of it and added a lot more areas. And that one didn't do as well because I think it was almost too much information. Mm. But in terms of in terms of a, a map that you'd want on your wall, it was much more appropriate. So, and I really enjoyed kind of expanding on it. So, making it bigger, you know, was sort of the next step of it. Yeah, it's it's sort of it still it still gets a run every now and again. They did a version. They did a, like a similar version of, of it, like someone else did it, but like it was a similar idea of it in uh, the latest ninety nine percent invisible book. Okay which is like kind of cool. And so, yeah, it's, I feel like it's kind of, it's become its own thing. 
think. And I did it so long ago that, you know, it's sort of, well, well, it's just, it's always in the background. I mean, we should, of course, mention that people on your website can, you know, buy a print of the map and, and uh, buy mugs and uh, t-shirts, I assume, or whatever they want with the map on it. Does it, does it sell well? Yeah, it sells not as, I think not as much as it used to, but it's every now and again, someone discovers it and picks up a print okay. here and there. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it's like one of those things with an online shop, like, you know, how close it is to the top of the page. Right. So I probably need to bump it up a few rows and uh, <laughs> make it a bit more uh, obvious for people to see. Does much of your work have a geographic focus or, or that you just randomly, that one happened to be a map or? Yes and no. Like in terms of, maps like straight up maps i've done a few here and there because it's like it's such a strong i think with a lot of what i do you sort of you need the the idea of a joke and then you need a sort of visual construct to hang that joke on and a map is such a strong sort of visual construct Mm. in terms of you know i did a map about what it's like or like it was a subway map for people with small bladders <laughs> and each each side it was just you 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 know your typical is it the beck map is that what you call yes, the yes, tube map, the, the tube uh, map yeah. yeah yeah it's just the typical tube map but instead but each instead of the station names it had your your toilet at home the toilet at work gotcha. the toilet at the mcdonald's on the way home you know it's like the pub toilet and sort of you know, by using maps in that way, you can sort of get to a, a different sort of joke. And then also, I guess there's also that idea of not so much like using a physical map, but a, a lot of the, I think a lot of, a lot of the things that when you, when you build a map or do a map or you're reading a map, well, those same things apply to drawing comics and cartoons. There's sort of a, there's a hierarchy of information. Right. There's, you know, there's stuff that you want to draw the eye towards. If I'm doing a joke, I need to make sure that my punchline is sort of bottom right corner and the setup is top left. Gotcha, gotcha. Because people read left to right. And so there's, it's in a weird way, you are kind of putting together a map of where, how people need to sort of navigate through the comic to, to get the joke. So yeah, that, that's quite an interesting. To me, point. that's, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, what I find fascinating about the story of that map and of your work in general is it kind of shows a the the amazing power of social media in the modern age. Like, you know, you can you can <laughs> yeah. have your idea and you can put it out there and immediately it gets it kind of amplified. But also, it feels like maps have much more kind of gone mainstream in the sense that you know, a map used to be some big piece of paper that you would kind of fight with in the car or whatever when the occasion had to drive. And sure. you would, you know, in every family, there's one person who could kind of read the map and be the navigator, every group of friends or whatever. But it was kind of like, you know, it wasn't mainstream. It was like the map guy deals with the map or whatever. And now with, you know, maps on your phone, Google Maps, Apple Maps or whatever, it feels like everyone is always looking at their maps all the time. Right. It, it, it's, I feel like it's gone a bit different than it was a generation ago, per se. But also in a different way in that everyone has access to the map that shows them precisely where they are. But the core skill of reading a map and actually under, you know, maybe has gotten lost as well. So I, I don't know. How do, yeah. how do you see that? And, and do you see, does this mean geography kind of has a new relevance in art and commentary like that, that you're doing? Or, or I don't know. How do you, how do you, how do you see that? I mean, I, I feel I feel quite lucky that like you know the generation I came up in sort of 
started in that analog world and has shifted across the digital. So you get to experience that both exactly, those yeah. things, you know. And it was always like as a kid, what's London got like the A to Z, whatever, you know, in um, Melbourne or Victoria where I grew up, you had the Melways, which was this massive thick, thick book, book yeah. of just all the maps, right? And it, and it always sat in the that back Back the pocket behind pocket, the, the pocket know. behind the drive. So, so when you're a kid and you just you know you're on a long drive and you're just sitting there bored as hell, you'd always like pull out the map and start flicking through these pages yeah. of maps and looking stuff. And it was really you know I I kind of that was like that's a really clear memory in my childhood. And I guess that doesn't really happen anymore. You know, like if you're a kid now, you, your parents have just got the they need to go anywhere. You've like sat nav or you know, like Google Maps, like you know, directions telling you what to do. Exactly, and then people obey it blindly, whether the direction makes any logical sense or not. Of course, but oh. yeah, I remember. I remember riding from Melbourne back to a place called Port Ferry over two days, and it was sort of a it's the longest I've ever ridden. It was like three hundred and fifty k ride, and um, and it was just I don't think I don't think I had an iPhone at the time, so I'd actually just had I literally printed out some maps of the roads that I needed to go down and just kind of and just folded them up and put them in a back pocket and every now and again just like to stop the bike you know refresh your memory reading these reading these little maps and go yeah it should be should be going the right way so yeah it's and and now it's such a shift like if you need to go anywhere you just like look at your phone you can see how far it is to go you can see different options you can it will literally tell you it's going to take you a five-minute walk I think there's you you don't actually have to have such a strong internal map at your disposal mm. anymore, which is I find really interesting because I've never had much problem with direction. So well, it's, it's funny because some people, you know, some people pull the map book out of the back pocket in the car and flip through it as a kid, and some people just never would, right? Because you meet some people yeah. who are just like, oh, I don't know, I can't read maps or whatever, you know. I've I've got a friend who'll just walk in a direction and then just hope just that ask. it's the right way, and we'll and we'll just keep an eye on their phone and realize they're traveling further away from where they need to be, so we'll do a one eighty and. Gradually honing what? the destination. You, <laughs> I couldn't live like that. <laughs> you joke, you joke. But have you seen? We had this company present at GeoMob a couple of years ago, Beeline, and the whole okay. idea is when you're riding a bike in a city, it's you know obviously it's dangerous if you're looking at your phone, right? Because you're on the bike, you might drop your phone or whatever. You don't have control of the bike. So the whole idea is you put this. You have this Beeline device, and it syncs with your phone. But instead of giving you precise directions, like, you know, in 50 meters, take a left, it just generally points you in, in the right <laughs> way. So the idea is that you still have the experience of kind of exploring the city, but you know you're going well, roughly in the right direction. Yeah. Well, Berlin, Berlin where I live is perfect for that. Exactly. Because there's, the there's the TV tower right in the middle of the city. It's by far the biggest thing. And you can see you can it from just see about it. anywhere. What? So if you're... If you're ever riding home, you just <laughs> and you're a bit lost. You you kind of find that you know the red and white stripes of the top of the tower, and you go, okay, if we just head in that general direction, eventually we'll find something that we recognize. Exactly. So that's what it's, that's uh, what Beeline tries to recreate. So you still have yeah the joy of riding rather than you know the the stress of like oh, I can't see on the map where to go and things like that. Do you know what I'd really like? And I'm sure I'm, I'm really hoping. Either one of your listeners has already made this or is capable of making it, is an app for cities with cobble streets that will just give you the, the roundabout, the long way to ride right. 
that avoids, so not on the, that avoids the street with cobbles. Yeah. So it's like, it's like three blocks straight ahead by cobbles, or you can go six blocks a long way around on flat, nice roads. Ah. That would be the most wonderful addition. Okay, well, we've had we've spoken with several routing people, including people who build cycle routing apps. So I bet that could be. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. the the challenge there, I think, would just be getting the information right. But if it's in OpenStreetMap, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, that yeah. could be done. So, but let's let's switch focus a little bit, Charles. I want to. So, as someone sure. who's, I mean, it, th- this is your job, right? Your profession is you're you're constantly coming up with these creative ideas and then putting them out there for the world, and hopefully some of those resonate and. So within the geospatial world, one, let's say, accusation leveled at the geospatial world is we we come up with these amazing technologies, right? But then we're particularly bad at kind of marketing them or explaining them uh, or, or, you know, doing the PR around them so that, that the idea takes swings. And, and that's kind of what you do all day, right? So any any tips there for anyone out there? Any particularly, you know, startup founders or whatever? People are trying to get their idea out. Sure. I mean, I, so, I mean, I, I predominantly just use Instagram and Twitter, but I think... I think especially if you're dealing with maps, uh, you know, and sort of that geospatial stuff, Instagram's quite good. Like, like you almost want to see Instagram as like a tool that you can use to create something instead of just a place to put stuff that you've created, Hmm. if that makes sense. So, you know, with Instagram, you've got the, uh, you can put multiple images in a row, for instance, and there's, there's actually no border on that. So if you build a really long, skinny image and then divide it up into separate images and then post them all together, as you scroll through the images, it's as if you're scrolling through one long image. And so you can create, I think you can create some really interesting stuff, you know, using that kind of thing. And, or, you know, or the tile, sort of there's that, you know, when you look look at an Instagram page, there's the tiling of it, you know. Adding, sort of having the tiles start, you know, relating to each other. And then when you delve in, you know, you can, you know, do more stuff and then add video to certain aspects of it. And you can kind of use it to create like an experience, maybe. Right. That's more than just here's our thing, right? It's a more of a. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Use it more of as, as a tool and sort of play around with the ideas, sort of, you know, that it can do i think that's probably how many followers do you have on instagram roughly i think two i had two hundred and i've gone down <laughs> i think i lost a few last week i'm down to 100 uh, 249 i think wow so okay so, uh, yeah. so what's that like i mean like when you post something what happens well depressingly like something sometimes not much happens so you go oh god with this many followers surely i'd get more likes <laughs> but for the most part it's just it's it's no different really to having say you know 200 followers it's just more likes more comments the sort of stuff i post you know it's their comics so generally you know the comments are always really lovely and nice and always really you i mean you are people because i would assume with such a volume no matter what you post someone is grossly offended or you know whatever (laughs) Well, it's always it's always funny how you know how you react to that sort of stuff. I'll have ninety nine comments of people going, "I love this, hilarious," and then one comment of someone going, "Yeah, not your best." Right. <laughs> that'll be like that'll be the one comment I'll just you know zero in sure. on. I'm just like, why did you what? So yeah, with that many followers, it's sort of 
Look, it's yeah, it's it's always been interesting. It's what it is good for is actually I've discovered in the long term is um, having a that massive following that and you can direct you can direct that following to other people who maybe don't have a big following that maybe should. Right. And so, you know, call out small accounts and be like, hey, check out this person or check out that person and you know, give those people a boost who maybe wouldn't have been heard above the noise um, otherwise. So over the years I've discovered that's probably the, the most beneficial thing about it. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. How do you stay creative, Mel? I like how are you continually like this is the other issue. Like as someone, you know, I have my own geospatial startup and, you know, it's just hard to continually create compelling content that about that yeah. topic. And, and yet you have to do this all day, every day. Right. I mean, what, what, I mean, I mean, you've, you've got a much narrower sort of field of focus there. Well, true. <laughs> I can, I can go wide and sort of do anything. I, like, I, I don't envy you at all, but I guess, I mean, what I've discovered, I've, to, I need to do is sort of give myself prompts and it like, you know, just yesterday I started a Twitter thread. I was like, right, I've done nothing for weeks. I need to get off my ass and do something. And so just started this Twitter thread and sort of said, right, I'm going to make stuff all day and basically just wandered around my house finding objects and trying to make jokes out of them and comics and hmm. doing that sort of thing. I'll also, I also do a thing on uh, Instagram using Instagram stories where I'll, put up a little post saying, like with one of the question boxes, just saying reply to this with a one-word topic and I'll try and make a comic out of it. And so I'll get, you know, hundreds of one-word, single words, and then I'll just go through that list and try to come up with something using that word. And a lot of the times the stuff that comes about through that exercise isn't something I ever would have come up with just, you know, if I was sitting there in front of a white piece of paper or blank piece of paper, right? Uh-huh. And I guess, look, I guess the other one is, is the case stuff. I think it's, the, I think there's a Chuck Close quote about something like inspiration is for amateurs. The professionals just <laughs> turn up and do the work. Right. Uh-huh. I really love, I really love that idea of like, if you, you can't just like sit around for like the light bulb moment, it's not going to happen. You kind of, you always just need to sit there and just start doing something and sure it'll be crap but you right, know then through that started, process yeah. yeah through the process you end up getting somewhere or doing something um, rather than just like sitting there staring to space waiting for inspiration to strike which it never does or rarely does no, yeah all right any any more map centric ideas percolating or any any themes in that direction <laughs> I don't know. After this chat, maybe <laughs> this, could, this could serve as some kind of inspiration. I um, yeah, I I want to do more of it. Actually, I have thought about it. I like I, I sort of like this idea of you know somehow utilizing that. As I was saying before, you know that idea of creating comics and you know the map's such a strong visual um, thing. You know, it, it's like it's got a, a map has a set of rules that people know how to follow, mm. you know, they're like, well, that's what a town looks like. That's what a river looks like. A river is usually blue, right, on a map. Yeah. you know, this is what, and the contour lines, I know that means that's high, that's low. And so you've, you've got like a, you've got built-in information in, that people, built-in rules that people already know. And so there's so much less you need to do to explain that joke to people if you if you just piggyback on those rules by pulling together a, a comic that revolves around a, a map. Graph. Yeah, so. other than often it could be interesting where you kind of intentionally break or 
twist one of the rules, right? And then that causes mm-hmm. causes the reader or the, the viewer to like question their you know the situation. In some yeah, way. and and this is and look, this is the idea. This is the idea with comedy. You know, you sort of you set up a pattern and then you subvert right. it. Sort of, you know, rule of three. It's uh, you know that sort of plays into it. And it's like I don't know. Have you ever do you ever see those maps where they've like there's ocean and like landmass and the the coloring for the two sure. is just wrong and you see it you see it inverse and it just infuriates me. I'm yeah, like, yeah, sure. how do you get that wrong? You know, <laughs> so. <laughs> and it goes back to that idea of these people have these rules in their head that, you know, are like they're so, you know, hardwired in that, like, once you see a map that doesn't work like that, it really irks you. Well, you know, the joke in Barcelona is, I, I don't know if you know Barcelona, but the Barcelona, there's the old city, which is a kind of medieval old city, but then there's a grid. Yeah. And so almost all the maps are lined up so that, you know, the beach is at the bottom and then the grid is right to left <laughs> however that's not east to west and north so basically north is not at the top in, in oh, city maps of, of barcelona so yeah it can lead to a lot of confusion because then people pull their phone out and on their phone north is yeah. at the top right so people end up going you know 90 degrees from where they think they're going yeah because of that one little twist and it makes total sense for the the maps aesthetically look much better when they're lined up that way Absolutely. but it, it the tourists always get confused because that, that's such an amazing grid that barcelona grid my god yeah. like so what a what an amazing bit of town planning anyway and they're cutting they're cutting off those tra- blocks now have you seen that they're combining they're making they're taking the like, super blocks yeah yeah the super yeah, blocks. it's really cool it's um yes of course i've seen i've seen several although I will say this. I think Barcelona does a great job at PR around what a livable city they're going to become versus actually becoming right. a livable city. So, <laughs> but that being said, in some areas it has been done and is really nice, but there's also some stress around it because it's great for the people who live on the super block. It's not great for the people who now live outside of the super block who now have double the traffic. You know, uh-huh. So, so yeah. it creates kind of winners and losers. And uh, yeah, okay. so the solution is we got to super block the whole city. Is the whole thing, so. <laughs> just get rid of cars completely. Yeah, fantastic. So anyway, good, good chatting with you, Chess. What? How? How can people get in touch with you? How can they learn more about your work? How can they? How can they purchase a print? What's what's what should people do? I think I think Instagram is probably the easiest. I'm Insta Chaz with two A's in the Chaz on Instagram, and then from there, there's a link. There's a link in the bio there, which will open up more links from which to find the rest of my online nonsense. So yeah, that's including a shop and everything. So that's probably the best option, I think. And and I'm Chaz Hutton on Twitter. Very cool. Well, uh, we'll get yeah. we'll get all that linked on the show notes, of course, as well as well as the actual image of of the map of every city. And encourage everyone to check it out and to follow you. And hopefully, my challenge to you, Chaz, is a, is a bit more map or geospatial content <laughs> in the coming. Yeah, once coming once years. this is done, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna get busy on a map. So I'm totally right. Very cool. All right. Well, great chatting with you. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today and listening to the GMOP podcast. Hopefully you've enjoyed the discussion. Please don't hesitate if you have any feedback for us or any suggestions for topics that we should cover in the future. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, if you're not yet on the mailing list, please do get on the mailing list where we once a month send out an email announcing future events, summarizing past events, and just generally sharing uh, events that you may find of interest. You can also, of course, follow us on Twitter. 
where our handle is Geomob. You can follow Steven at Steven Feldman. You can follow me at Fryfogel. You can check out Mappery at mappery.org. And of course, if you need any geocoding, please check out my service, which is opencagedata.com. We look forward to you joining us again at a future episode, and of course, seeing you at a future Geomop event. Hope to see you there soon. Bye.